we talk about a 15-win team. We're also 15 games into the NBA season. Kansas City might go to the Super Bowl. And the Knicks actually have a reason for some hope. So we go home to start segment one right here on Downtown Sports. I am the mouth of the South, John Shaboni, along with my co-host, the beast of the East, Jonathan Periente. This is Downtown Sports. This is where sports come home. Beast is here with a special guest, his first time on Downtown Sports, making his debut another voice of a hometown team. Take it away, Beast. Thank you, John. As the New York Knicks, 15 games into the season, are starting to really open up some eyes within the NBA. Here to join us to discuss the Knicks and their new look offense and all is the radio voice of the New York Knicks on 98.7 FM in New York. We are pleased to welcome Mr. Ed Cohen to Downtown Sports. Ed, it's such a great pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? John and John, now that is an intro. And I think um, I wasn't a big wrestling fan growing up, but I somehow need to find a nickname or an alter ego to keep up with you guys. But uh, great to be with you. And uh, thanks for having me. Well, I named Beast. So, um, you know, maybe by the end of the interview, I might come up with something for you. We'll see how that works out. But um, the first thing I want to ask you is this. It's been such a refreshing breath of fresh air to see Coach Thibodeau and this team gel and then watch, as a Knicks fan, a long-suffering Knicks fan, to watch a game where they go in against a top team in the Eastern Conference and blow them out. It's unreal. What's been the big difference so far in your eyes? What's the biggest change you've seen? Oh, John, without a doubt. And and believe me, it was such a blast to call those games. I think you could look at two in particular as their best wins this year, Uh, one against Milwaukee and two up in Boston the other day. And I think if you look at those two victories in particular, number one, you play a team like the Bucs, and at the time you're coming off a loss against the Sixers in the home opener, you only have 24 hours to turn the page, come back and be ready for the next night at Madison Square Garden. And I think To answer your question, a big part of it is this team has a very short memory, and a lot of that comes back to coaching and belief. You know, there are a lot of guys who are back from last year's squad, and you have some younger players, too, who are just getting incorporated into the mix. They're starting to play more minutes. Tom Thibodeau is relying on them, guys like Emmanuel Quickly, and certainly since he's been healthy from the cash train, Obi Toppin. But this group has a short memory, and we saw it in that win against Milwaukee. And certainly, you lose five in a row, and you go up to Boston and a team that's coming off a big win against Orlando, and you put together really one of the best defensive efforts, certainly in recent Knicks history, certainly against the Brad Stevens coach team, and maybe one of the best defensive games by an NBA team this year after a month or so in this truncated season. So I think you add all that up, Tom Thibodeau's presence has made a huge difference. The players have bought in, and they're about winning. They have a mission to develop, but also to win basketball games. That's a sign of progress. And their defense, the last few games in particular, has been really good against Boston, and then to close it back-to-back against Orlando. But I think, again, it all comes back to that initial belief of turn the page on to the next one. And that's really important through 15 games. And we've seen that 
so far from this Knicks team. Talking with Ed Cohen, the radio voice of the New York Knicks, and I want to bring up Thibodeau because this is very different. Uh, as we go back in time a little bit, we go back to the 2000s, right when James Dolan became the owner of the Knicks, and there were a lot of just revolving doors of different coaches. We never really saw them last long. The last time the Knicks really had a good winning culture was about 10 years ago with Mike Woodson, Mike D'Antoni. What's been, what is different with Thibodeau? What is he, how has he gotten the Knicks to buy in so quickly to what he expects of them? And how have the players been able to adjust so quickly to having Tom Thibodeau at the helm? Well, John, that's a great question. And you mentioned Mike Woodson. Hey, that's a great presence to have on your bench if you're Tom Thibodeau. Now, one of the five assistants on this current Knicks staff. But I think you look at Tom Thibodeau's track record, and he took over a Bulls team in 2010, had some really good young talent, also the right mix of veteran guys, and they played tough. You know, they went deep. Everybody contributed. And that team is still beloved in Chicago going back to 2011 when they made the Eastern Conference Finals. And the foundation, I think, in terms of his coaching approach as a head coach was set that year. And you fast forward a decade, that applies now to this Knicks team. They know that if they defend and they play hard, number one, they're going to stay on the floor. And that's a prerequisite for any team coached by Tom Thibodeau. You have to defend. You have to be all in in your time on the court. And I think you instill that with a very short training camp and only four preseason games. But you get that message across. Uh, I think that's been imperative. I think guys have, have not just bought in, but there's a clear understanding of what's needed to earn minutes, to play hard, to challenge some of the better teams on your schedule. Uh, most importantly, to win games. I mean, this team understands, look, we're only going to get better if we start to show progress in the win column. That has certainly happened at least through 15 games. And I think five and three was a great start. Uh, winning those four in a row or three in a row was huge. Uh, being four and four on the road after 15 games is telling. And to win some close games too. Uh, you know, a lot of young teams – that's always a challenge. And certainly it's not going to be perfect every night. Knicks had, you know, a tough final few minutes in Cleveland, but they turned the page quickly and they've won some close games against good teams. And, you know, that, that goes back to the top. And I think that's, that's been really fun for fans to see. And certainly for, for all of us who've covered the team the last couple of weeks uh, to see that progress and to see the way they've all bought in. Okay. Now, um, to the top. That's, that just brings me up to my next question. James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks. Now, a lot of people criticize his bas basketball ownership, but then they look at his hockey ownership and say, well, why can't he be more like that? Because you've seen revolving doors and stuff like that with coaches, general managers. Um, you've had the likes of Larry Brown, Donnie Walsh walk through this organization. What is it about Leon Rose that, well, so far it seems that has gotten Dolan to really buy in and trust Leon Rose's vision? You know, John, that's, that's hard for me to answer. But what I can say about Leon Rose is, and he took over obviously during an interesting time last year. I mean, he's announced in early March and nine days later, the season suspended. So he lost that opportunity uh, like so many executives and people in front offices to evaluate 
the final weeks of the season. But I think his real strength is uh, the relationships he has. Uh, people going back to the high school AAU level, the collegiate level, uh, and certainly at the NBA level. And this is someone who is a basketball nut. Going back to his days in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Dickinson, and certainly in his rise to becoming an NBA player agent and now a team president. I think all of those relationships show that he has a really good eye for talent, for what works. And his first big step was hiring Tom Thibodeau and allowing those pieces to fall thereafter. Uh, I think to bring in a guy like Obi Toppin and land him at number eight was great. I mean, Brooklyn kid knows what the Knicks are all about and obviously picked Emmanuel quickly and maybe picked him higher than most thought he would. But through 15 games, you're seeing an energy and a passion and a burst from the young man. It's been a lot of fun for fans to watch. So uh, it's early. It's only 15 games, a long way to go. But I think if you're a Knicks fan, you like the progress right now. President, coach, young players. It's been a good couple of weeks without question. I want to dive into two of the sophomores currently on the Knicks. Uh, definitely Toppin and Quickly are going to have a very bright future. But talking about now what you've seen from R.J. Barrett this year and Mitchell Robinson. Uh, at one point, Mitchell Robinson was losing the starting job. It was going to be Nerland's Noel's job. And then suddenly something clicked with Thibodeau and Mitchell Robinson. And now you're seeing him play really now beginning to kind of come into his own, to being that player the Knicks really envisioned he could be. And R.J. Barrett will also continue to make adjustments. And he's starting to make some small ones. What are you seeing this year in the second year for R.J. Barrett and for Mitchell Robinson that maybe we did not see a year ago? Well, John, I'll start with Mitchell because last year he only started seven games. And if you look at those seven starts, he averaged 17 minutes in those seven games. You go against a frontline center, and if you're in foul trouble, you can't stay on the floor. That's an issue. And it's been a complete 180 so far for Mitchell Robinson. Uh, what he's been able to do in a really short amount of time has been remarkable. Uh, staying on the floor, defending without fouling. And there, there's a fine line between being a rim protector and being a shot blocker. And Mitchell, we know, can block shots. Uh, but can he protect the rim without leaving his feet? Positionally, uh, what he does more towards the ground. And it's been a great change to see the steps he's taken uh, and he's been critical in some really big games. I think he's averaging less than three fouls a game. He has no DQs. We're going to try and keep this streak going for as long as possible this year. But uh, that's been the big thing with him. And I think with R.J. Barrett, obviously, when he's locked in, look out. I mean, this guy can get to 20 points in no time. Uh, his shot is still coming along. And if you look at his splits, he's actually had a little more success on the road this year than at Madison Square Garden. But last couple of wins for the Knicks in particular, he's played a big part. I think you're seeing him be a little more physical. He's been effective on the glass, especially on the offensive end. That's really helped the Knicks. And he's someone who can get to the basket. I mean, there is no question this guy can get to the rim and have an ability to finish. Uh, as he becomes a better finisher, uh, he's certainly a better free throw shooter. That's only going to add to his game. But you look at what he's been able to do in turning the page after some bad games, 
Uh, his consistency this year at the foul line, only positives. And, and he's 20 years old. I mean, this is someone who's been a star at every level he's played at. And I'd like to believe new coach. It's only been 15 games. Um, he's certainly somebody who will only get better. And the shot over time, I believe, will improve as well. The biggest 180, and we're talking with Ed Cohen, the radio voice of the New York Knicks, the biggest 180 to me has been Julius Randle and his ability to play point forward seemingly all season long. The passes that he's made, we haven't seen him make passes like this in his entire career. What has Julius Randle done in order to advance his game to the point where he's able to see the court in that kind of a way? What kind of influence has Thibodeau had on him? Well, obviously, John, a big one, you know. And if you go back to last year, I mean, that was Julius Randle's first time as a team's top option. You know, Marcus Morris was part of the Knicks as well until the trade deadline, but Julius Randle was brought in to be the guy, or at least one of the guys. And that's, that's a lot to take on, you know, after four years with the Lakers and really playing in a six-man world with, or, uh, with New Orleans. Uh, so I think last year there was a learning curve for him with two coaches and at times uh, as much as he had the ball in his hands tried to do a little too much. And I think he'd be the first one to say that he's coming to this season and has made a really concerted effort uh, to pass out of double teams, uh, when to pass, when to make that extra feed, looking for open guys. Uh, what's a good shot. You know, that's been a motto from Tom Thibodeau all year long. Are we taking good shots? Might not be making all of them, but are we getting good shots each time down? And I think Julius Randle is at the core of that. Uh, he's playing with confidence. I don't think he has to do it all himself. He feels that way now. And that's made a huge difference. And you look at some of the pieces that have come back with him, you know, it's his second year playing with R.J. Barrett and Alfred Payton. That helps. Uh, he's been a, a good influence in the locker room. I think guys have looked to him as a leader and a spokesperson, even when things aren't going well, uh, you really like to see it. And, and you forget sometimes he's only, what, 25, 26 years old. So progress is a great thing. And I think no doubt, John, he is someone who's really come a long way from last year. Same team, different coach, but in a really short amount of time uh, to be leading the, the Knicks in points, rebounds, and assists after 15 games, you don't get that from every power forward in the NBA. I'd like to see how the Knicks will continue this over the rest of the year. Now, their next uh, trip is coming up. It's going to be a West Coast trip. And I'm very curious to see, do you believe the Knicks maybe, we think maybe they could squeak in and be maybe an eight seed, maybe a playoff contender perhaps, if they can continue to play the way they are playing? Because they are playing with a different identity than they have in the past. Does this Knicks team, at least in the early going, look like maybe somebody that could make some noise come playoff time i won't go jim mora on you and and say <laughs> playoffs i think it's it's a little too early for that john but uh you know what i will say is tom Thibodeau said it from the get-go we're going to be defined by whether we can win games maybe not right away but over time uh development is so important hitting the draft critical but at the end of the day it all has to come together it's come together uh number of stretches so far this year. And look, this is a year where if you're in the top 10 in the East or the West, you have a chance to play in to one of those final two playoff spots. Um, that is certainly 
a goal. Uh, that is light at the end of the tunnel for a young team with a new head coach. So it's hard to say at this juncture, hey, this team's a playoff contender, but at the very least, to be one game below 500, to play 500 ball on the road, uh, to win a couple of really close games in early January on the road in Indiana and Atlanta, that's telling. I mean, they played a really tough schedule and they played it well. And uh, they bounced back from some difficult losses in a short amount of time. So at the very least, uh, they're competing. You know they're going to give that every single night. Guys will only get better. Uh, but it's a long year, you know, 15 down and, and, and obviously have to get to game number 72 this year. But at the very least, yeah, if, if they're in the playoff discussion, it means that they're being competitive in just about every game. And that's, that is music to Knicks fans' ears, no question. Definitely music to mind talking with Ed Cohen, the radio voice of the New York Knicks. Now, I, I think I've come up with a nickname for you, but we'll, we'll let you know that at the end of the interview. Um, but the, one of the last questions I wanted to ask, the Knicks are around the last in the league at, at three-point attempts. They're 11th at this current juncture in, in three-point field goal percentage. Their field goal percentage has gone up, taking better shots, getting better – in getting better positions. What do you think is the catalyst for the better shooting, the better positioning? What is it that has clicked in Knicks players' heads that has allowed them to run offensive sets better, be where they're supposed to be in a, a much more disciplined way? Like what, what's caused the discipline on this team to go up like that? Well, John, that's, that's obviously a great word is discipline and knowing where you're at your best on the floor, right? Case in point, a guy like Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox, I think, still leads the NBA in corner three-point percentage. I mean, when he's on the right side, he's really good. When he's on the left, he's still good as well. And he's shooting, I think, close to 60%, maybe still better on corner threes. That's his best shot. And his release is faster. Uh, he's always been a solid catch-and-shoot guy, and it's not just him. You know, guys are getting him the ball in the right spots. Uh, so I think it, it's, it's all five guys on the floor. It's, it's your point guards, and when Alfred Payton's played well a lot of times in his two years with the Knicks, Knicks have won games. You know, he started 36 games last year. They won 17. That's a pretty good record with Alfred Payton as your starting point guard. He's getting guys the ball in right spots. Uh, I think they're not forcing up bad shots. Uh, there's going to be a rough shooting night from time to time. You know, we saw it when they faced Toronto on New Year's Eve, but we also saw it with the Celtics the other day against the Knicks in Boston. You know, it's going to happen. But if you're taking good shots, head coach can live with that. And what Tom Thibodeau is really looking for, to really put a cap on your question, is, is the ball moving? And there are times where sometimes the Knicks will pass up on – open looks, uh, maybe once in a while when they shouldn't. But the message is clear. Uh, you've got to move the ball. You have to force defenses on the perimeter to rotate. And I think when the Knicks have been at their best, they've done that. And I'd say it's happened more than less through 15 games. So that all falls into play. Look, you know, modern-day NBA, yeah, teams take far more threes than they used to. But that doesn't mean – Efficiency isn't important. Efficiency is really important. And I think you'll take successful three-point shooting with a team that isn't stacked with guys who stretch the floor 
versus volume attempts. Look, the NBA is playing in a very different time than it has in the past. This is the pandemic of COVID-19. Last year, the NBA season was Last season, the, NBA's, the NBA abruptly had to put their season on pause and then resumed with playoff games in a bubble. Compared to last year, how is the NBA adjusting this year to COVID-19? Well, John, it's, it's day by day. And I say that because this virus hasn't slowed down and it's affecting our country and the world in ways that we only could have imagined last March. I think a lot of us all think back to March 11th, at least in NBA circles, when the season was suspended. And I'm sure people around the world do as well. That was a defining day with this virus. Uh, The NBA pulling off the bubble last year was nothing short of incredible. To crown a champion was just unbelievable. But I think it was clear how much of a toll it took on the players uh, to be away from their families for that long coaches too, uh, league personnel. It's a lot to ask, and they're giving it their best shot to make it work in a world right now where things are changing. Uh, The virus isn't slowing down. It hasn't slowed down, but they're doing their absolute best to make sure everybody's safe and these games can go on within the protocols. So you're seeing it right now. I mean, there have been a lot of postponements over the last week or so. Uh, but as Major League Baseball kind of set the example, that might happen early on. It's how you respond and find ways to keep everybody safe uh, and make sure that the games go on under the right protocols and safely. And um, if the NBA can get to that point, uh, I think they will. You know, they're learning so much. Uh, but I give them credit for the way they've done this right now. And uh, the bubble is an example, you know. Good minds can uh, make great things happen. And, and, and I'd like to believe that the NBA is charting this course uh, as safely and as uh, smartly as they possibly can. Ed Cohen, the radio voice of the New York Knicks, thank you so much for taking some time to join us. Best of luck to the Knicks going forward for 2021. Oh, yeah. John, I- John oh, yeah. is this nickname, nickname time? Yes, yeah, it is. It is. It is. And um, no, I fig- I figured it out. I, th- I, I think I know what to call you because like I'm the mouth of the South. Somebody named me that. John Parente is the beast of the East. And I figure Ed Cohen, this would sound really great for you. How about this? The force of the North. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a little worried because, you know, in Toronto, they say we the North, but I think New York is, is, is far North enough. So we'll, um, we'll take that. Thank you. No problem. And let me tell you something. Toronto (laughs) just wants to imitate New York City anyway. There you go. (laughs) Guys, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Oh, no problem, Ed. A great pleasure of ours. Thank you. All All right. That was Ed Cohen, the radio voice of the New York Knicks. We'll be back in a little bit right after this. And we're back to downtown sports, Mouth of the South, John Schiavone, along with my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Periente. want to thank Ed Cohen, the force of the North, the radio voice of the New York Knicks, for joining us in segment one. We got a big-time guest for segment two as well. I mentioned Kansas City in the intro, but first, Beast, where can they hear us? 
We are on 12 different platforms. We're on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Bullhorn, PodBay, and Listen Notes. 12 different platforms, rant episodes every single Tuesday, Wednesday. We are downtown sports, and we are where sports come home. And we are pleased to welcome a guest pretty much back home, somebody that we had we haven't spoken to him in a long time. It's been many years, but he was with us from the very beginning. Yeah, a long time ago when Downtown Sports was a uh, smaller time show, we had a podcast host. It was KeepingItRealSports.com. I want to bring on Mr. Keeping It Real Sports himself. He is now a beat writer with the Kansas City Chiefs covering them in Kansas City, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ed Easton Jr. Back home on Downtown Sports. Eddie, how you doing, sir? It's been way too long. It has, man. It feels good to be back home, man. I missed you guys. This is great. Thank you. Where sports come home, but how is it being in locker rooms? Mahomes, you're talking You're talking to the big time now. You, you got uh, Andy Reid on speed dial. You got Pat Mahomes uh, for a breakfast break, you know, having cappuccino with Pat. <laughs> well, I don't know about cappuccino with Pat, but I, I will say that uh, this past year has been different because obviously because of COVID and uh, everybody that is a reporter right now has been uh, on Zoom. So uh, it's been a very different experience, but uh, we've been doing a great job uh, with Chiefs Wire USA Today. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a, a heck of a season and a heck of a journey. So uh, I think we're all going through it, not only the players, but the, uh, the media as well. Speaking of that, let's dive into the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, coming off first, a very impressive win, beating a very game Browns team in the divisional playoff. A big scare. Patrick Mahomes had a concussion, had to go through a concussion protocol. Chad Henney had to save the game for Kansas City, and he did. Now the questions are, will Mahomes be ready to go for the division for the AFC title game this coming Sunday? Chances, hearing things that he is progressing, getting better, still though in concussion protocol. What is the latest on Patrick Mahomes? Well, the latest right now is he's still in protocol. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, follow with the NFL protocol in regards to concussions, you have to be very careful. He has to go through a series of steps. So far, he's done a great job. And uh, right now, I think he's looking at possibly practicing uh, on Wednesday. So there is the, the chance that he may not be 100%. And that's really what it comes down to. Whenever you go through concussion pro- protocol, they want to make sure you pass every single test and they monitor you over a couple of days. So you could feel great right now. But if you don't pass the different tests, then you, they're going to hold you out. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember the uh, situation that uh, Sterling Shepard was going through with the New York Giants. He felt good. I remember even talking to him uh, one of those weeks where he wasn't playing, and he said, I feel good. It's just going through a protocol there. They're very careful when it comes to concussions. So it's going to be a process for Mahomes, and this Sunday is not, it's not a sure thing. So Lord forbid Mahomes is out, Henny starts, AF, AFC championship game. What's the plan if Chad Henny's the quarterback? Well, the, the thing is the Chiefs have a lot of um, – they, they really do have a lot of trust when it comes to uh, Chad Henney. As you saw the way he finished off the game, and even his Week 17 start, which I know a lot of people didn't watch because the game really didn't matter against the Chargers, he's a veteran that's been around the league. Yes, it, I, I believe Week 17 was his first start in seven years, 
but he's been around. He knows all the plays, and he's a guy that Andy Reid really trusts in a, in a big spot. So he's definitely going to have his opportunity if he has to play. He played well to finish off that game. I mean, let's think about it. It was third and 14. Them getting that first down off a of Henny scramble, a guy not known for really running around like that, is a veteran instinct. It's something that you just cannot teach. So it will not be like Mahomes. I'm not going to give everybody a uh, – a calm feeling here if you're a Chiefs fan, but he is a guy that can go in there and get a job done. Talking with Ed Easton, beat writer for the Kansas City Chiefs, beat reporter and writer for them. What is what has been different with this year's Chiefs team compared to the team that won the Super Bowl last year? More versatility, it seems now, with Mahomes really establishing the, the offense he has around them. What has been the biggest change with Kansas City this year from last year? Uh, it's definitely been a couple of things. Uh, last year, last season's team was uh, a lot pretty bitter because of the way it ended the year before against the Patriots in the AFC title game, which they believe, and I think most of the country believes, they should have won that game anyway. So you came in it with a fire of, okay, when we get back there, we're going to dominate, we're going to do all these different things. And uh, Mahomes had a great year, even though he got injured. You saw the depth in regards to having a guy like um, like Moore come in and, and play quarterback a little bit. It showed how good Andy Reid was with Eric Bieniemy working together and putting that offense together. But the biggest jump in terms of last season to this season was the defense now believes they are an established defense. Terrence Matthews in his second season with the team. You got uh, Chris Jones. He's been paid. Uh, you have Frank, you know, Frank Clark. So there, there are different players that have this belief that this is a good defense. And that was always the weakest spot of the Chiefs team for the, for the past two seasons. As you can tell now, even that game against the Browns, okay, Mahomes is out, but that defense was still able to hold up against Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, who was on a mission in that game. Those are the things that you need in a team is confidence. So they have that now. It's not just Mahomes having that swagger, but I also want to point out Mahomes going into this season, he even said himself, this is the first year where he could actually read a defense. So think about that. The early, Even the, the year where he uh, won the MVP, he still wasn't reading the defense on the NFL level. Now that he knows how to do it, he's going out there with so much more confidence and able to make bigger plays, and you see this so far this season. Eddie, now the biggest thing that you said for sure was the defense of Kansas City and how they've progressed. Now, this is a defense that I think has benefited from the fact that they know they have an offense that's led by Mahomes. So much to the point where they're no longer concerned about bend but don't break or – you know, if I give up, I can't give up this touchdown. Or I, I, They don't go on the field. They don't play scared. They're looking for turnovers. They're looking for ways to knock the ball loose. They're looking for ways to cut off routes. I see this defense looking for turnovers look more than trying to stop yards. Is that something that Spags has been putting into them? Oh, yeah. This is something that Spags has had in terms of, like, his whole formula back to his Giants days. You know, you have to make plays. You might necessarily be you might not necessarily be the the best defensive unit out there, but if you make the right plays and you know you go for the ball no matter what, if that defensive line of the Chiefs, once again, I said Frank Clark, Chris Jones, these guys know how to know not only how to get after the quarterback, but how to strip the ball and make sure you get that strip sack. You want to make sure you get takeaways. Tyrant Matthew, you know, he's a honey badger for a reason. The guy makes plays out there. So you have certain guys that also influence others that may not get to talk, like Rashad Breeland, Javarius Ward. These are players that are now playing above their heads that you weren't talking about two years ago. 
whenever you said the Chiefs, you weren't even thinking about these players. And now these are guys that are being put on such a, a big pedestal because of the confidence that they do have. And it's all about making plays, like you said. Talking with Ed Easton, the NFL beat writer for the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is this matchup with the Buffalo Bills, which is going to be the AFC title game. And if all systems are go for Mahomes, this is in tune to be a very incredible matchup. The last time the Chiefs played the Bills in a championship game was January 23rd of 1994. Who would have guessed Joe Montana was the quarterback for the Chiefs against Jim Kelly for the Buffalo Bills? And what are the, you couldn't have asked for a more exciting matchup here. The Chiefs were beaten in that last meeting 30-13. to 13. Are the Chiefs kind of think, thinking about that previous matchup from over 20 years ago? And maybe is it, are things going to be a little different this go-around with Mahomes facing a new quarterback of the future in Josh Allen? Well, I don't think the uh, current Chiefs um, players are really thinking about it, but the fans They're more are. thinking about that loss that they took. They're, oh, they're yeah. more thinking about that loss that they dealt to Buffalo. That's what they're thinking about. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they, they'll be thinking more about week six, you know. These oh, yeah. guys did play each other week six in Buffalo, and uh, the Chiefs handled them pretty well. But uh, just it's funny that you brought up that uh, game back in 94. You've heard so many people talk about it, you know, as if it, it is relevant to today's players. It, it really isn't. It was a two different teams back then. I don't know if you guys remember uh, the Jim Kelly team. Those teams were offensive juggernauts, you know. This Bills team this year, they're pretty good. They got, you know, Stephon Diggs. You have Josh Allen who's playing at an MVP level. He won't win it because Aaron Rodgers is going to win it this year. As much as I've covered Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP this season. Everyone kind of sees it right now. But I, I like the way this matchup looks on paper. But as we all know, in the playoffs, it's going to come down to defense. Mm. And especially with Mahomes, we don't know if he's going to be 100% or not. You have to watch out for a Bills team that has been playing extremely well with takeaways. You saw what they did against the Ravens. Yep. You, you have to be careful with a team like that. But uh, I do feel like with Spagnuolo and the way he's going to game plan with a guy like Josh Allen, with Stephon Diggs and what they do bring to the table, it's going to be a close one. And I should see – I feel like turnovers are going to be the key to this game. So whichever team can uh, get the most takeaways will uh, will come out on top. Ed, so one more thing. Now let's move to the doomsday situation. Mahomes doesn't play. Here's Chad Henney. Eric Bieniemy is up for a few head coaching jobs right now. He's being considered. He's been interviewed what does Eric Bieniemy have for Chad Henney to go against this Buffalo Bills defense, which is very skilled at taking away things and, you know, trying to fluster a quarterback like Henney? I mean, I know he's a veteran, but he's no Pat Mahomes, and it takes a Pat Mahomes to beat a Buffalo Bills defense. You know what? It does take a Pat Mahomes, but if you remember from the first uh, meeting this year, it's more about the running game. And I feel like you're going to see a lot more of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who – is expected to come back this week. There is a there is a strong possibility he could have played uh, this past Sunday, but they thought, hey, let's let's hold him out an extra week. Let's make sure he's fully healed. So uh, that, that is something to keep your eye on. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a huge game in uh, Week Six, and uh, that's the key right there. They're going to be feeding the running backs. You'll see a little more Le'Veon Bell in certain situations, uh, some more Daryl Williams. So I, I feel like if you, if Chad Henney in the doomsday situation is the quarterback. 
you're going to see him more in a, in a play action sort of situation. Less than, like Mahomes, you didn't see that as much. But with uh, Chad Henney, they're going to rely on play action and uh, taking shots down the field as a surprise. We'll get you out of here, Ed, on this final question. Uh, John, you brought up Eric Bieniemy, and this is a very interesting uh, situation. Coaching searches are going on. Eric Bieniemy's name has been thrown around out there. Maybe a potential team could think about landing him. Do you see Eric Bieniemy? Where do you see Eric Bieniemy possibly going? Obviously, when the season is over, or does he stay with Kansas City down the road? Well, you know what? It's it's one of those things where I feel like it's uh, it's been a shame that he's he's still been available for over a year now in regards to not being hired as a head coach. He went through the interview process last year, should have been hired, didn't get an opportunity. This season, uh, he's he's interviewed with so many different teams. I think most recently with the uh, Texans. Mm. So, you know, there's not many spots left. I believe two spots are open right now. So it's it's very interesting to see what happens. He deserves a job. I mean, the guy deserves it. You see what he's done with this offense for the last two years. Yes, Andy Reid has his fingerprints all over it. But the offensive coordinator is still Eric Bieniemy, And he's the guy that is speaking to Pat Mahomes. He's speaking to those offensive players. He's the guy making that stuff happen on the field. So, I, I like I said, it's it's the NFL. They instituted the Rooney Rule in regards to uh, race relations, in regards to the hiring process. It's something that's going to be brought up again. So, I do believe he will get a job, one of those two jobs that are open. But it's it's going to be tough. But you're you're also playing uh, for a Super Bowl, and uh, a lot of uh, franchises want to have their coach ready to go now as they prepare for the draft. Should be very interesting to really see where the Chiefs are going to take this. Uh, very different situations are right in front of the Chiefs if Mahomes is good to go, if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will play. But I think the Chiefs, with the weaponry they have, it, they still have a, have a chance in this. Even with Henny starting, you have Kelsey, you have Tyreek Hill. It, it's just an incredible amount of depth the Chiefs put together. How are they able to assemble – such a group like this, it, it, you really have to credit the, the general manager, the management for putting this together. And Patrick Mahomes is locked in for the next 10 years. I mean, talk about how bright the Chiefs' future is going to be over many years to come. Well, their future is very bright. Uh, Brett Veach has done a heck of a job. He's the GM of the Chiefs. Uh, him and Andy Reid, they work together. And you could just see it over the past couple seasons. A lot of these guys are locked up long term. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, bringing in a guy like Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones, making sure he gets his deal done. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes signs the, the greatest deal in probably professional sports history. I mean, they knew right away, hey, if, we were, if we're, we're going to be good, we want to have a dynasty that lasts longer than maybe four or five years. We want to be good for the next 10 years. So what do you do? You secure the most iconic player in your franchise already, which is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, let's be honest. We were all looking at his contract and we we're saying there's no way possible they could, uh, they could bring a guy in at that price, and they found a way to do it. So they obviously are dedicated to winning. They're dedicated to Mahomes, and, and let's, let's not kid ourselves. Patrick Mahomes is the key to all this. So let's, we're going to see what happens. Ed Easton, writer follows the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks so much for coming on. Eddie, shout out where they can read your stuff, where they can find your articles, any interviews that you've got online. Shout out where they can find all of your stuff so um, they can start reading and learning more about Kansas City Chiefs. 
Well, I will say uh, check out the uh, best coverage of the Kansas City Chiefs with uh, the Chiefs Wire for part of USA Today. So that's ChiefsWire.com. It'll uh, send you right to the site. Uh, or you can just follow me on social media at Ed Easton Jr. on uh, Instagram and Twitter. I just recently spoke with Jamal Charles. He is the uh, franchise's all-time leading rusher. And uh, we have so much great content on there. I have a lot of writing and as well as our own podcast. So uh, check it out. And uh, guys, I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show, man. This was great. And we'll look to have you on again at any time down the road, always. Want to thank you, Ed. And this wraps up our edition of Downtown Sports. I want to thank our earlier guest, Ed Cohen, for joining us, as well as Ed Easton Jr. You can listen to Downtown Sports on 12 different platforms on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Castbox, Bullhorn, Pod Bay, and Listen Notes. 12 different platforms, rants, live episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday. We are downtown sports. We are where sports come home. For the mouth of the South, John Schiavone. For our statistician, Chris DeLarge. For our researcher, Tony Mainville. I'm Jonathan Pariente saying goodbye. Keep the real people, we out.